Chapter 31? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> But come on now. There was a glitch. Praise God. <laughs> there was a glitch in the matrix. Yes, yes. That was your mind. The words that were coming out of the mouth wasn't exactly what you were thinking at the moment. <laughs> it was a disconnect at that moment. Praise God. So yeah, today we're going to be picking up on chapter 31 of Exodus. Um, but um, before we get into that, I want to announce our podcast like I do every week uh, because I do ask you guys to please share. Um, as you guys have seen, you know, time and time again, every week we get a new country. And uh, I didn't get any notice in this last week if, uh, if we were being heard, maybe in a different country or not. But um, as you guys have known for the last couple of weeks, we, you know, our podcasts are, are reaching um, Japan. They're reaching United Kingdom, England. Uh, we're obviously all over the U.S., you know, uh, so again, please share these podcasts because it's because of your sharing that we're able to get this word out there so people can be blessed and people can see the truth in the word of God. Amen. Um, you know, last, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks how we need to unlearn the things that we've been taught for so many years that are wrong according to the word of God when you sit down and truly study it. Um, but you can find us in, in Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, and Breaker. These are all the podcasts. And I know there's one more recently that we were added to. Um, haven't gotten the name of that one yet. So that, that will be the seventh one. Uh, so any platform you can possibly imagine, you can find us there. Amen? Amen. Uh, so whatever you, your pleasure is, you can find us in that podcast. And you can find us under In One Spirit Miami. Amen? Like I said, if you're out and about um, or at the gym, wherever you may be, you can listen to us. Uh, if you don't have the flexibility at your job or whatever to actually see something in a video, you can put your headphones or whatever it may be in your office and you can listen to the podcast and uh, be blessed through there. Amen? Amen. And if you're watching us online, we want to first of all welcome you. But if you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, uh, please go to inspiritandonespiritchurch.com and you can sow a seed there. Um, and again, we will be grateful. You will also get a return email with your donation. Amen? Amen. So again, last week, we, um, we touched on Exodus 30. And Exodus 30 was the last piece of furniture, or the last furnishing, uh, within the tabernacle. It was the altar of incense. But not only was it the altar of incense, it said that along with the altar of incense, there was a basin. And what was the basin used for? The basin was used for the high priest. Uh, whenever he would come into the tabernacle before he went to the holies of holies to wash his hands and if you guys remember i give you a, a kind of an example of what jesus did in the new testament when he went and before his disciples that he kneeled before them and what did he do he washed their feet with what with his hands well the basin was just something very similar the basin the high priest will come in and before he will enter the holies of holies studies shows that he will first wash his hand the right hand first, then with that right hand, he will wash his foot. Then he would enter the left hand into the basin, wash his left hand, and with that hand, he would wash his foot. So it was, there was a similarity between what the high priest did in, in Exodus and in the tabernacle to what Jesus did in the New Testament when he, uh, when he washed the feet of the 
disciples. It was very, very similar to what was done. And again, obviously knowing that Jesus or Yeshua is or what? Our high priest. So what a beautiful similarity between these two. Again, also the altar of incense was the last piece of furnishing, like I just mentioned, but it was placed. The placing of this furniture was in a very specific location. Remember the front of the tabernacle, the opening of the tabernacle would face what? East. So the tabernacle was facing from west to east in the way the Ark of the Covenant will be sitting inside the Holies of Holies. It said that it will face east. And so this altar of incense was actually placed just right in front on the curtain on the west side of the tabernacle, also facing east. And if you guys remember last week, I said that there was three pieces of furniture specifically that I mentioned inside the holy place, not the Holies of Holies. Remember, there was a division between the two. But inside the holy place, there was three specific furnishings. And on the north side, you will find what? The table of showbread. And I said that the table of showbread kind of represented that he is our provider. Amen. Then we will go from there to the altar of incense. The altar of incense I showed you in the book of Revelation. It was a representation of a place of worship. Notice when, when, when Jesus washed the, head of, uh, the feet of the disciples, it was a sign of worship. It was a sign of adoration, of humbleness. Well, this is exactly what the high priest would do. He would come into this altar of incense, wash his hands, wash his feet, and they go into the holy place, the holies of holies, to then ask for forgiveness or sacrifice for the rest of the people, the multitude that were on the outside of the tabernacle. And then from the altar of incense, we moved on to what? What was on the south side of the tabernacle? The menorah. And the menorah was a what? A seven-branched menorah. If you guys remember, I, I explained the difference between the seven-branched menorah and the nine-branched menorah a couple of weeks back. Well, this seven-branched menorah represented exactly what we are celebrating today or what we celebrate every week on every Saturday. It was a Shabbat. It was six branches on the outside with the center branch as the serving candle. It was an illustration God created for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Amen. Amen. It is a sign of Shabbat. So we see, we come into the holy place, we go into the table of showbread as a sign of he is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Then we go into the place of worship. And then we worship when? Obviously every single day, but specifically we gather together on Shabbat, Amen. which is a, re a representation of that menorah. So again, last week we finished with the altar of incense. This week, we're actually going to be entering into a very short chapter, but it's so, so prophetic. Not Amen. only is it prophetic, but I pray that... God will give me and facilitate my words because there is so much just in 18 verses that I want to share with you guys. Um, it's really going to blow your mind. Now, we have concluded, like I said, the furnishings. But up to now, God hasn't told Moses who's going to build this. He hasn't. We spent six chapters and God has been speaking to Moses at the top of Mount Sinai giving him instructions of the measurements of the tabernacle, the measurements of the table of showbread, the measurements of the menorah, the measurements of the altar of incense, the measurements of the Ark of the Covenant, the measurements of the curtain, the measurements of everything. 
but he hasn't told them who's going to build it. Is it interesting? Isn't that interesting? We spent five chapters almost on description of what's to be built, but still God has not revealed who's going to build it. Like I said in this morning in prayer, Moses never doubted. Moses never questioned. Moses never gave his input of what God should do or what he thought would be better. Moses just stayed there. And it says that he was spent 40 days in the presence of God. Just receiving. Just receiving. And God just pouring out and pouring out. And if you guys remember last week, I said some of us complained that we can't. 15 minutes is, is too much. Man, I really have to spend 15 minutes reading. Or I really have to spend 15 minutes thanking God, or I have to really stand for six songs of worship. Wow. Moses spent 40 days. Imagine if God would ask you to spend 40 days of your life in front of his presence. Don't worry about eating. Don't worry about doing nothing else. You just spend 40 days of your life in front of his presence. Can you imagine the transformation that Moses was going Amen. through? Imagine that. Imagine the glow that must have been in the countenance of Moses as God was shining upon him. Amen. But it was not just an outward transformation. Remember, I said transformation starts on what? On the inside. And then it is an outward illustration. There's no transformation on the outside. The transformation starts on the inside. What you see on the outside is, is just evidence of what's on the inside. Come on. Come on, somebody. Amen. What you see on the outside of a person is just evidence of what's on the inside of that person. Their behavior, their actions, the way they speak, the way they do things. That's just an evidence of what's on the inside. So imagine 40 days just in the presence of God. And God just pouring out. And Moses is just like, give me more. Give me more. Can we stay here for 50 days or 60 days? Wow. I'm imagining that must have been his thoughts because, I mean, the hunger, yeah. the, the, just the hunger that Moses must have had just... Being face-to-face -face with God. Hello? Being face-to-face -face with God. Here's his men. Just a regular guy, like anybody else. God chose him. He says, you will be the one that will be in my presence. You will be the one that I will give all the instructions of this holy place that my presence will dwell in. But again, we can't even spend 15 minutes in the presence of God sometimes because we complain it's too long. So this morning, we're going to answer chapter 31. Finally, in chapter 31, we see the two men that God chooses to build this tabernacle. And if you read through chapter 20, 31, you will miss so much because it's very important who God chose and the name of these men. Remember, we said it plenty, plenty of time. The name of people mean a lot. You have to study the names. You have to study seasons. You have to study numbers. Why? Why God chose these two men? Why their names? Why does God put these things in the word? They for a specific reason. Amen. And this morning, we're going to see that these two men had nothing to do or with anybody that had been in the presence of God recently. They were just ordinary guys. Two guys that, in a sense, 
if we were to be living in that time, we would have never thought God would have chosen them. Because just as it is now, as it was back then, um, who you were, status, matter. The status of people back then, who they were, where they came from, their lineage, their possessions, it mattered. Just as the world values possessions and status and all those things. Obviously, we know in here that that doesn't mean anything because you can't take it with you. That's right. But the world sees it the same way they saw it back then. The status of a person, who they were, meant a lot. And so we're going to see that these two men that God chooses, they're regular Joes. Nobody's. The descendants of some people that were mentioned in the Bible before, but not who we would have thought God would have chosen. So without further ado, go with me to chapter 31. And we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 11. Again, this is a very short chapter. Uh, we're going to split it into, we'll read from verse 1 through verse 11 and then 12 to 18. Amen? Amen. Amen. Exodus 31, verse 1 says, then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled them with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, in all kinds of craftsmanship, to make ingenious designs, to forge with gold, silver, and bronze, as well as cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in all manner of craftsmanship. Verse 6. Also, look, I myself have appointed with him Oholiab, son of, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Ahisamah, <laughs> of the tribe of Dan. Within the heart of all who are wise-hearted, I have placed skill, mm. so that they may make everything that I have commanded you. Who commanded it? I. God Amen. commanded it. The Tent of Meeting, the Ark of the Testimony, which it's another name for the Ark of the Covenant, the Atonement Cover, that would be on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that is to be built on it, all the furnishings of the tabernacle, the table of the table and its utensils, the menorah of pure gold with all its utensils, the altar of incense, which we just spoke about, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, the women garments, the holy garments for Aaron the Kohen, the priest, the garments for his sons to minister as Kohanim, as priest, as high people, sorry, uh, the anointing oil, the incense of sweet spices for the holy place. Remember that we spoke about the anointing oil. There was a precise mixture for this anointing oil. Not just anything could be mixed and, called and be called holy. There was a certain mixture of certain items that God said, these are the ones that I want you to mix. These will be called anointing oil. These will be called actually holy unto me. So when people go around just sprinkling stuff on people, saying this is holy anointing oil. Time out. Says who? You? Because God says otherwise in his word. When the priest goes and drops half a bucket of water on you and says, this is holy water. <laughs> Be careful. Wow. Be careful. Learn scripture. Yeah. And they are to make them just as I have commanded you. And let's stop there. 
So again, up to now, God had given Moses a lot of description of these furnishings uh, inside the tabernacle, but hadn't told Moses who was going to build them. Now, we see God equips two men. <clears throat> two men to do all the work that he had been talking about to Moses since chapter 24. We're on 31. For, tw for basically six chapters, God has been spoken to, to, uh, speaking to Moses, saying these are the things that you're going to build. This is the different measurements. Finally, in chapter 31, he says, these are the two men. We see clearly here that famous quote that we like to say that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Right? Who's Betzalel? He's just the son of Uri or the son of Ur. And then we'll see down on verse 6, Aholiab. Just another guy. But God chooses these two men because of a specific reason. Because, first of all, what their names meant. Second of all, the tribes they came from. Mm. This is how you have to read scripture. And this is how you have to pause and meditate on scripture. So you can see and God can give you the revelation of why God chose these two men. Listen, God should have said, you know what, Aaron, you have been the one that has been taking care of things on the bottom. Right. While Moses has been in my presence up here getting instructions, you have two sons. You know what? As a matter of fact, I need two guys to help build the tabernacle. The right thing would have been pick the son of Aaron. Right. But no. Those are the ones that I'm sure everybody thought those two other guys for sure that are going to be picked wow, to build the, the tabernacle that God is talking about. God says, uh-uh. I'm going to go contrary to what you think because wow. that's the way I operate. That's right. And I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm going to equip these guys that you think are nobodies Come to on. do my work. Amen. Come on, when you started your job or something like that, did you feel that you were equipped to do everything that you are doing now? No. 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 Were you maybe the most qualified? Maybe not. But God equipped you Amen. enough to do the work that he needed for you to do. The same way he will equip you to do the work that he needs you to do. For him. Amen. Doesn't need you to, he doesn't need you to have some sort of degree or a master in theology, all this stuff that people love to flaunt. He just needs willing hearts. Come on, amen. amen. He just needs willing hearts. That's all he's asking for. Willing hearts and obedience. And then he will equip you to do his work. Amen. That's good. Amen. So again, he chooses these two men to build the tabernacle but one thing i don't want you guys to miss is what it says there that god did go with me to verse three because we've been taught that the holy spirit or the spirit of god came down in pentecost and shavuot but in the old testament we didn't see the empowerment of the of the holy of the holy ghost or the, or the spirit of god it, was, it all happened in Pentecost. That's when Jesus ascended to be with the Father. And he said, I will send you a counselor. And then the Holy Ghost fell on the upper room and everybody began to speak in tongues. That's what everybody talks about. But look what it says here in Exodus 31. God himself says this. Verse 3. And I, this is God speaking in the first person. 
have filled him with the Spirit wow. of God. He is filling Bezalel with his spirit to be able to build this tabernacle. What does that tell us? That it is because of the empowerment of the Spirit of God upon Bezalel that he's going to be able to do what God is instructing him to do. Think about that for a reason. Who lives inside of you? Amen. The Spirit of God. It's because the Spirit of God that is inside of you that you will be able to do whatever God calls you to do. Amen. So when somebody tells you contrary, say, time out. The Word of God says that the Spirit of God lives in me, so therefore I am equipped enough to do what God is asking of me. Amen. So he says, my spirit, I will place inside this man. So it is because of the guidance of the spirit of God that Bezalel was able to do what he needed to do. Because otherwise, he was just another random guy. Like you and I are just random people. But God has set us apart, filled us with his spirit to do the good works that he's called us to do. Each of us have a different place, a different part within the body of Christ. Okay. Are called to do different things. Don't let anyone nor anybody tell you that you can't do that. Come on. Because you don't have, again, the degree or you don't have the intelligence or the knowledge or whatever it may be. Because God says otherwise. Amen. If God set you apart, if God chose you for his works and to do the things that he's called you to do, he's the one that equips you. He's the one that justifies you. Amen. He's the one that will teach you so you can learn to do those things. Not men. Man doesn't seal you. Come on. It is God that yes. seals you. I also noticed once Bessalo was was filled with the Spirit of God, he was given attributes. Can't just stop there. <laughs> He's first filled with the Spirit of God, and then God says, and because I'm filling you with the Spirit of God, you're also going to gain these attributes. And what are those three attributes? Says, is it, says it right there in the Word. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It is because he is filled with the Spirit of God, and it's because you're filled with the Spirit of God, that you will have wisdom, wisdom understanding, understanding, and knowledge. Do you wonder sometimes where you get things that all of a sudden you just understand? You don't question those things? Like you're reading things and you're like, oh yeah, I knew that. That's the Spirit that's within you. You didn't know anything. You didn't know anything. That's right. That is the Spirit. It's not you. It is the Spirit that lives inside of Thank you. you that gives you revelation of what you're reading. That's exactly what this man was taking advantage of. The Spirit of God was living inside of him. And because the Spirit of God was living inside of him, these attributes just came along with it. Amen. You're benefiting off these days because you're being obedient. You're going to stand there. I'm going to feel you, says the Lord. And because of that, you're going to have wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. But the question should be, what was this for? Why is Bessalel going to need wisdom? Why is he going to need understanding? Why does he need knowledge? Well, the answer is in the very next verse. Pause 
and read. Verse 4 gives us the answer. Look at verse 4. To make ingenious designs. Not just any design. Not just anything ordinary. Ingenious. It's almost as God is calling him a genius. Things that people have not seen yet. Those are the things that you're going to build. Those are the things that you're going to be able to do for me. Because my spirit now is within you and I have given you wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. But it doesn't stop there. Aside from these ingenious designs that you're going to be able to build, Bezalel, it also mentions there that these things have came with three different metals in specific that are mentioned in the Word of God. What are those three metals? Now you ask the question. Let's keep reading. It says, ingenious designs to forge with gold, silver, and bronze. Did you guys remember back in chapter 25 that I gave the description of the 11 items that were chosen to build the tabernacle? These three items were in those 11 items. Do you guys remember what gold, silver, and bronze are? Well, if you don't, I'll tell you. Gold means wealth or value. There's a value in it. Silver means stability. And bronze, or sometimes also copper, is what? We mentioned it last week. Human nature. Yes. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so, here is Bezalel, empowered with the Holy Spirit to build ingenious designs forged with gold, silver, and bronze or copper. Let's wrap all this together. What exactly is God trying to do with Bezalel? What God is trying to do with Bezalel is build these designs for designs that will have value within the tabernacle, that will have stability, and for the nature of men. Wow. I'm going to repeat that again because the plane took off on you guys. He's giving Bezalel the empowerment through the Holy Spirit that now resides in him to build these items with the tabernacle. Remember, this is the guy that's going to build the furnishings inside the tabernacle. To build these items with gold. All these items were furnished with gold. Well, these items are valuable items before the Lord. They are stable items before the Lord. And they are for who? For the nature of men. Or didn't the high priest enter the tabernacle to plead or sacrifice for who? For the nature of men that were on the outside. So everything that will be on the inside, everything that will be built on the inside and what the holy uh, or the high priest will come to do on the inside was for the benefit of the nature of man on the outside. That's why I say that transformation starts on the inside and therefore is visible on the outside. The first has to take place on the inside of the tabernacle so it will be evident on the outside of the tabernacle. Hallelujah. And where's the tabernacle? We are the tabernacles. Oh, come on, somebody. I got goosebumps in this Come on. That's good. But also the work that these men would do was not unto themselves, but to God. Why do I mention that? Because even though they were empowered to build these furnishings, it wasn't for self-glorification. We need to understand that. Even though they were empowered and they Come were on. filled with the Spirit of God, 
It was not for self-glorification. So let's not take that for granted that we are filled with the Spirit of God and therefore we can justify ourselves through our actions. No, 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 no. We still need to come before the Lord, Amen. repent, Amen. and be because the Spirit of God is within us, He gives us conviction, and therefore we are justified through the blood of Messiah before the Lord. Amen. Never taking self-justification just because we have the Holy Spirit living Amen. within us. Look what the Word of God says. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, uh, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Say, how does it mean? It's a spirit. Oh, it's a spirit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! It's hot in here. <laughs> Verse 23, Colossians chapter 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it from the soul. As for the who? The Lord. The Lord, the Lord and not for people. people. For you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. It is to the Lord Messiah as you're giving service. So we see that what God is empowering these two men is to do the work but it's not for self-glorification. The work is from the Lord. Because what? These furnishings will go in the place that the presence of God will dwell. So who were they for? They were for the Lord. They were sacrificed unto the Lord. They were worshipped unto the Lord. They were placed where the high priest would come unto the Lord. And where the presence of God would dwell for himself. People on the outside were just benefiting of what the high priest would come on the inside to do in the presence of the Lord. But everything was built onto him. Everything was for him as it is today. Everything is for him. Amen. Amen. Now the first man chosen was Bethsaida, like I said. And this name in Hebrew means in the shadow of El. In the shadow of El or in the shadow of God. Now, I would say that's a very appropriate name, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I say that what people might have thought at that moment who would be chosen wasn't exactly who needed to be chosen because of the name that these two men had and who, with the tribes that they came from. Notice Aaron, they were just Levites. They were just priests. But these men came from two specific tribes, which were, were two out of the four dominant tribes, if you guys remember. Judah being one and Dan being the other. Wow. So again, the appropriate of the name, the person in charge of the building, all the furnishers, but also the tribe that he came from, Judah. Wow. Please follow me, don't miss this. This man, his name in Hebrew means in the shadow of El, or in the shadow of God, and he came from the tribe of Judah. Where was the tribe of Judah? On the east of the tabernacle. First we see the man, Bezalel, that will build the furnishings physically. And then we see the man, Yeshua, that will build up the spiritual 
temple. Wow. Both wow. from the tribe of Judah. Judah. Wow. 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 <laughs> so Bezalel wasn't just anybody. Come on. It might have been anybody in the eyes of other Man. people, yes. but he wasn't anybody in the eyes of God. I want to remind you this morning that you may be just anybody to somebody else, but in the eyes of God, you're somebody. Amen. God values your life, and he chose you for a specific reason. He set you apart for a specific reason. Amen. So we see Bezalel building the physical temple, but then later on we see Joshua building up the spiritual temple within us through his word. That's with me. Amen. The other man that would be empowered to help Bezalel was called Oholiab. He was from the tribe of Dan. Oholiab in Hebrew means in my father's tent. Really? So in the shadow of hell, in the shadow of God, and the next guy, he's in my father's tent. I mean, more appropriate than these guys' name, I don't think we can find. He's so perfect. So again, we see the, how appropriate these names are. But also shows us the importance of names and the importance of not skipping scripture. If we would just read these guys' names and just continue to go on, we will miss what I just mentioned to you. We will miss why God chose these two men what their names represent, where did they come from. Again, it's very similar to where our Messiah, obviously, will come from. One for building the physical temple, and the other one the spiritual temple. So we see the resemblance. We see that everything in Scripture, there's always some sort of resemblance to Jesus. It always points back to Him. Amen. Some way, somehow, there's always a resemblance that He's involved in. Right. So when they say, no, Jesus came in the New Testament. No, He's all over Amen. the Old Testament. Right. He's been there since the beginning. Amen. Amen. And now we see today that so has the Holy Spirit been there since right. the beginning. That's right. <laughs> because God's speaking in the first person there. When He says, I filled them with the Spirit of God. Not men, not just anybody, I fill them with the Spirit of God. Wow. Again, two of the four major tribes mentioned with were Judah and Dan, which is where these two men came from. Now, very interesting that it was Judah and Dan. What does Judah mean? Praise. What does that mean? Judge. So the two men that God chose came from a place of praise and a place that would judge. Wow. Isn't that exactly what the furnishings inside the temple would be used for? Wow. Wow. The altar of incense was used for worship, praise, while the rest of the items were for sacrifice, or, or, or a resemblance of, of some sort of, um, uh, like I said in the table of showbread, that he will be our provider. But these items where the high priest would enter into the holies of holies, that he will get the answer from God, were used to what? To judge. To judge. Hmm. Wow. 
So the two guys that were used to build the tabernacle, the tribes that they came from was exactly what the tabernacle would be used for. Wow. Now you tell me if these two men are somebody or not. I would say God knows a little bit more than you and I. Amen. 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 A lot more. God is so amazing. Amen. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 31. Let's pick up verse 12 and we'll read all the way to the end. <clears throat> this is the second part of chapter 31. And this part of chapter 31 is going to be speaking on exactly the day we're gathered. So this might be a little touchy subject, but I think we need to speak about it. Verse 12 says that Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Speak to B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, saying, Surely ye must keep my... Uh, where are we? Exodus 1? Back to Exodus 31, verse 12, and we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 18. Then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Speak now to the children of Israel, and we'll talk about it in a, in a minute, saying, Surely you must keep my... Shabbat. For it is a sign between who? Me and you. Is it a sign for between God and the Jews? And God just whoever he chooses? Or between God and us? Throughout your generations. Meaning at that point and going forward. That's what generations means. So you may know that I am Adonai who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to keep the Shabbat because it is holy for you. Wow. Please don't miss this. Come on. It is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it will die. I mean, it doesn't get any more than straightforward there. The Shabbat is holding on to you. Everyone who profanes it, in other words, discards it or does away with, like it's like to be mentioned nowadays, doesn't apply, it's done away with, which I'll prove to you in a minute that it's not, because I'm going to take you to scripture to do that. <clears throat> Those will die. It might not be a physical death. Remember, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. That's right. It is a spiritual death, which is worse. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because a spiritual death is a separation from God. Come on. That's what that is. The spiritual death is a separation. So while people think they're getting closer to God, they're actually moving away from God. As they profane the Sabbath, as they do away with the Sabbath, as they say it doesn't apply anymore to them because it's for the Jews. But nowhere in Scripture there do you find that God says that the Sabbath is for the Jews. Nowhere. I'll go there in a minute. Therefore, you are to keep the Shabbat because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it will die. For whoever does any work during Shabbat, that soul, internal, will be cut off from the midst of his people. Work is to be done for six days, but on the seventh day, a Shabbat of complete rest, holy to Adonai. Whoever does any work on Shabbat will surely be put to death. 
It's not my words, guys. It's the scripture. So B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, is to keep the Shabbat, to observe the Shabbat throughout the generations as a perpetual covenant. Perpetual. Forever. Perpetual forever. <laughs> covenant agreement. Wow. It is a sign between me and B'nai Israel forever. For in six days Adonai made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he ceased from work and rested. When he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, this is God obviously speaking to Moses, he gave him two tablets of the testimony to Moses, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. Wow. So we see that verse 12 and 13 begins with God reminding Moses the importance of Shabbat, the importance of the Sabbath. Remember, we've, we are our creatures that we need to be reminded. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why it says remember. Yeah. <laughs> because we tend to have spiritual amnesia way too often. And so God says, I need to remind you. As a matter of fact, one of the commandments of the Sabbath is the only commandment that says what? Remember. Remember. None of the other commandments says remember. No. Don't kill, don't steal, don't do this. The Sabbath is the only commandment that says to remember it. Why? Because God knew that people would try to forget about it or do away with or say it's not applicable anymore because it is found in the New Testament. That's Old Testament. That's for the Jews. Does it say anywhere in there that we read that is for the Jews? No, it says for B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. Well, that's not me. I'm not Israel anymore. Be careful what you say. Come on. Because I'm going to prove to you in the New Testament how the new covenant is with Israel. Israel. Come on, that's right. Now with the Gentiles. Pastor, that was only for Israel. It's not for us today. God, I love when people say that. Let's go to scripture. Ezekiel 37 says what? Speaks about a grafting in. Speaks about Ephraim and Judah becoming what? One stick. One body. One church. Ephraim Gentiles. Judah the Jews. Come on. That's right. Romans 11. Ezekiel, Old Testament, Romans, New Testament, 11 says that we've been grafted, that we're seeds of Abraham. Wow. Hmm. So if we're seeds of Abraham and have been grafted in, therefore we're not spiritual Israel. That's right. Before it was physical Israel, and the New Testament is spiritual Israel. Back to the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus speaks of a covenant. A perpetual covenant. New Testament. In the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Speaks about a covenant. A covenant with who? A covenant with Israel. That is the new covenant. So when it says B'nai Israel. The children of Israel. Before it was physical now it's spiritual. It's all one. Come on, man. 
when it's referred to the children of Israel. Physical and spiritual become one. So the new covenant that the book of Hebrews chapter 8 speaks about, it is the covenant made with B'nai Israel. That is you and me. Amen. Amen. Because if you agree with Romans, since this is the New Testament, where everybody wants to guide themselves by, well, that tells me that you understand that you are seed of Abraham, and therefore now you are considered spiritual Israel. Because later on in the book of Hebrews, it says that that covenant is made with the children of Israel, not with Gentiles. So if you want to be part of that new covenant, you must understand that you are spiritual Israel. Wow. Wow. Otherwise, the new covenant doesn't apply to you. But even better, if we go further to the book of Revelation, it speaks about 12 gates. Do any of those 12 gates to enter the new Jerusalem have a name of a Gentile on top? Or aren't those 12 gates a representation of all the what? The 12 tribes of Israel. So how can we keep saying to do away with and to discard and profane when everything that's in the New Testament points back to the Old Testament? It's a reiteration of what was spoken back in the Old. That's all it is. And the New Covenant... That we that nowadays churches like to call so much is a new covenant, is a new thing. It's with Israel. Are you Israel? So are you part of that covenant? Yes? Amen. Then you're part of Israel. Yeah. Amen. Otherwise, the new covenant in Messiah doesn't apply to you. Wow. Observing Shabbat should be a joy. Amen. Should be a joy, not a burden. Amen. Oh, but pastor, Saturday, you know, it's the first day of the weekend. You know, I usually I work Monday through Friday. You know, Saturday is the only day I have things to do. But what happened to Sunday? Don't you have Sunday? Oh, but half the people don't work on Sunday. That's the day they take off. Well, find somebody that takes off Saturday like God instructs us and works on Sunday if you need things to do that you couldn't get to. Monday through Friday. Because just in case you didn't know, the first day of the week, it's not Monday. It's Sunday. That's right. To our Western society here, just for financial services and all these things, Monday is considered the first day of the week. But in reality, to Scripture, Sunday is the first day of the week. That's right. So Sunday through Friday, that's six days, seventh Shabbat. A day of rest. So again, Shabbat should be a joy, not a burden, since it was commanded by God, not by men. We've been reading this. Who ordained this? Who instructed this? God, not men. Or don't we delight on the instructions for our lives from God? Everything else that God tells us to do. Don't we delight in those things? So why aren't we delighting in observing the Shabbat? observing the Sabbath. Why? Why do we find so many excuses to not do it or to not observe it? So do we pick and choose when we want God in our lives? Because I don't know if you ever thought of this, but God is the one that made Shabbat holy and sanctified it. So meaning he is 
in the Shabbat. That's right. So if you don't observe the Shabbat, if you do away with the Shabbat, you're doing away with the presence of God from your life. So if something were to happen to you on Shabbat, don't complain later. Because you didn't want nothing to do with it. So therefore, you're saying, God, I don't need you today. Wow. This is my day. So we want the benefits, we want the blessings, but when we want them. Not when God says that they should come. God made the Sabbath holy and sanctified it for us to spend time with us. Amen. Therefore, we should want to observe it in the same manner and want to spend time with him in the same way. Amen. Now again, translation is very key. So go back to verse 13 for a second. Verse 13 says, Speak now to B'nai Israel, saying, Surely you must keep the, the Sabbath. If you read that, it almost seems very nonchalant. And I have the TLV version, actually, that I'm reading off. It almost seems very shalom, right? Surely, yeah, maybe you should keep the Sabbath. I actually went through different versions to see because you have to study why. And the more things are translated to make it more simple, the more it gets away yeah. from the origin of the word. Yeah. There in verse 13, where it says, surely you must keep the, the Sabbath. When you study that, the translation should be above all. Wow. You should keep the Sabbath. God is instructing Moses here the importance and so if this Sabbath is so much of importance, you think God would say, surely, Moses, I think you should keep the Sabbath. What do you think? No. God will say, listen, Moses, above all, it doesn't matter what I have given you to build, who I told you to build, I need you to give a bunch of instructions. Yes. But above all, you need to understand that on the Sabbath, you don't work. On the Sabbath, it's for me. It is the day of rest unto me because it is holy and sanctified by me. Amen. Not by you, Moses, or not by anybody else. This is the day that I made holy and sanctified, says the Lord. Above all, Moses, make sure you observe the Sabbath. Now, I went again into different translations. Look what I found. There, on this one, it says, surely you must. Another one says, you must. Another one says, you shall. But look what the NLT says. The NLT version says, be careful to observe the Sabbath. Be careful. It almost makes it seem like it doesn't want you to observe the Sabbath. That is the reason why the church grabs certain scripture and takes it out of context. Because if you read the NLT and it says, be careful not to observe the Sabbath, it almost tells you like, stay away from it. Wow. It's a bad thing. You shouldn't observe the Sabbath. Be careful. When you tell somebody to be careful with something, aren't you telling them that's a bad thing? That's exactly what the NLT does. It says, be careful to observe the Sabbath. So in other words, don't worry about it. Stay away from it. But wait a second. This is the day that God sanctified and made it holy. 
Why do I have to be careful with it? Shouldn't I be all over the day because I know God is in it? Because he made it holy, he sanctified it, he told me to rest because he knew I would need it. So be careful with it. That's why it's so important, guys, translation. And it's so important that when you study the word of God, that you study back to its root. You study back to its root so you can get the proper revelation of what that scripture says. When it says, surely you must keep my Sabbath. No, it says, above all, make sure you keep my Sabbath. Amen. Why? Because it will be, look at verse 14. Therefore, you are to keep my Sabbath because what? It is holy, it is holy for you. It is for you. Amen. Amen. I made it holy and I sanctified it, but it's going to be holy unto you. It is your benefit Amen. to keep the Sabbath. Amen. You're the one that's going to reap the benefits of it. Why? Because I abide in there. Amen. My presence is in the Sabbath. I made it holy. I sanctify it. I dwell in it. And I want to be with you. Amen. So it is for your benefit. Why are you discarding it? Don't you want the benefits of my word? Don't you want the blessings that I talk about in all scripture? That's one of them. He says it's holy unto you. It doesn't say it's holy unto me. He made it holy. But it's holy unto you. Wow. It is for you. God places so much importance on this day and reminds Moses that no matter how much he has given to him, above all, you should keep the Shabbat. Amen. So while so many people associate, listen to this, while so many people associate Shabbat with the covenant that God made with Moses, remember, some say it's the Mosaic Law or the Covenant of Moses, like so many people like to call it, which is wrong. Yes. It is the covenant of God that he made with Moses. That's right. Moses is just a God. It's God's covenant. Amen. It was never Moses' covenant. Yes. Moses doesn't own it. He didn't come up with it. Come on. God made the covenant with him. He chose him. So while so many people associate Shabbat because it's spoken in the book of Exodus and it's spoken in the Old Testament and it's spoken about Moses. Oh, so it must be Moses that spoke about the Shabbat. So the covenant that God made with Moses, man, Shabbat should be associated with creation itself. Why do I say that? Let's go to scripture. Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. We studied this a long time ago. But let me remind you, because we need to be reminded. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And it says, So the heavens and the earth were completed, along with their entire array. God completed on the seventh day his work that he made, and he ceased. He stopped on the seventh day. From all his work that he had made. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. For on it he ceased from all his work that God created for the purpose of preparing. For the purpose of creation. So he blessed it, he made it holy, and he sanctified it. For the purpose of creation. Whose creation? We are his creation. Wow. 
here now in Exodus, it's just reiterating what God spoke in Genesis. And who's talking about it? God himself again. Why? Because from Genesis to Exodus, people have forgotten already. And it's only been a book. Imagine when we get to Revelation, 66 months later. This is the importance of God reminding and God reminding, and God reiterating, and God reminding, and God reiterating, because we forget. But we soul talk tend to forget. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we want to forget. That's right. Yeah. It's a difference between the two. So as long as pastors continue to associate this in the wrong matter, they will continue to miss and fully understand Scripture. Therefore, changing and doing away with Moses' day instead of God's holy and sanctified day. When they say that they're doing away with the Shabbat because Shabbat is attached to Moses, they're in a sense saying we're doing away with the day that man made. But man didn't make this day. I just proved you in Genesis and it was prior to man. It was in creation. It was God's holy and sanctified day. So you're not doing with Moses' day, you're doing away with God's day. Wow. And when you do away with God's day and you profane it, what does he say you do? Die. Sorry if that came across hard, but that's what scripture says. You die. You're cut off. Wow. I'll begin to close with this. <clears throat> Pastor, you keep reading from Exodus. That's Old Testament. No problem. Let's go to the book of Matthew. New Testament. First book in the New Testament. Chapter 5, verse 17 through verse 19. This is Yeshua's Sermon on the Mount. If you want confirmation on the Sabbath, go with me to the New Testament. Book of Matthew. Chapter 5. Verse 17, 17 through 19 <clears throat> says, Do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And people stop reading there. Fulfill. See, he did away with. He fulfilled it. He's, it's, it's done. Let's read that scripture. If that's what you want to say that fulfill means. Do not think that I came to abolish. Do not think that I came to do away with the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish. I did not come to do away with, but to fulfill. So if you're saying fulfill means to do away with, here it will be contradicting exactly what Jesus just finished saying. He says, I didn't come to do away with, but I came to do away with? That's not even proper English. <laughs> How is that even proper English? How can you say fulfill means to do away with? Come on. When he clearly says right before that, he says, I did not come to do away with. I did not come to do away with. I came to fulfill, to put into practice Amen. what was spoken by the prophets in the Torah. In the Torah. Come on. Amen. Let's continue to read because we can't stop reading, right? 
This is Jesus speaking, by the way, in the New Testament. Amen, I tell you. So he's confirming what he just finished saying. Amen, I tell you. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or seraph, smallest tittle, shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things come to pass. So is anything fulfilled there? No, he says until all things pass away. Until heaven and earth pass away. Meaning heaven and earth have not passed away. Come on. Wow. Verse 19. Don't stop reading. It's better. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them this one shall be called great and the kingdom. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That's where you have the Holy Spirit truly dwelling within you. That's right. So while people are doing away with the Shabbat, Scripture says they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Meaning they are being separated little by little from the presence of God. Wow. You should keep reading. Come on, keep reading. Yeah, let's go. We're telling you what to say, Pastor. Keep reading. Want to keep reading? Yeah, let's keep reading. Verse 20. I'll read verse 20 since it was asked to read. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and Torah scholars, mm. you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Please don't get confused wow. with that scripture, though. Because that is the scripture that's taken out of context. Yes. So it's saying that your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees and the Torah scholars in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not what that means. So don't misunderstand that scripture. You are made righteous through what? Through faith. Not because you follow Torah. Not because you observe the Sabbath. Come on, man. Come Don't on. misunderstand that. Right, that's through the blood of Messiah. Yes. You are made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Amen. That is the grace. That is what covers you. Amen. But by observing and following the commands is that you are called holy and sanctified because God made it holy and sanctified, and therefore it will be holy unto you. So the most famous sermon that Jesus taught, the Sermon on the Mount, confirms what? To observe the Sabbath. That's in the New Testament. So again, do we pick and choose which book we follow? Oh, Matthew was incorrect. Let's do away with Matthew. Let's go on to Mark. Careful what you ask, because I'm going to touch Mark in a minute. <laughs> when you Google the meaning of the word fulfill, it says to bring into actuality. Doesn't do, it doesn't say anywhere to do away with. It says to bring into actuality, meaning to put into place, to put into practice. The effect or to make real to carry out. Doesn't say to do away with. 
It says to put it into practice. That's why Jesus right before that says, I did not come to do away with what the prophets or the Torah says. I came to carry it out, to put it into actuality, to make it real for you that your Messiah will carry what was spoken by the prophets Amen. in the Torah. So therefore you can follow what I'm saying and follow me. Doesn't scripture say in the book of John that he is the way, Amen. the truth, yes. and the life? Yes. And no one goes to the Father except through him. Well, then we should strive to be like him if I want to get to the Father. And what did he do? He observed the Sabbath. Therefore, I should want to observe the Sabbath. Yes, On Sunday, you're going to find him. We'll get to I don't want to get into the technicality of the Lord's Day and the Sabbath. When you look for the translation of the word Sabbath or Shabbat, it's what? Saturday, not Sunday. And look it up. Shabbat is God's law. Not man's law, not Moses' law. Shabbat is God's law to observe a sacred day and time. Established by God himself, not men. It was never done away with, as we see there in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, nor changed anywhere in the Bible. Paul, going forward, confirms what Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul doesn't speak contrary to the Shabbat. Why? Because Paul was the Jew of Jews. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't Jews gather on Shabbat, they don't gather on Sundays. So Paul never spoke contrary to Shabbat. He confirmed and reiterated again, and later on in the epistles that he wrote, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. So out of all the principles God has laid out to Moses, nothing is above keeping the Shabbat. There's nothing above that. I don't care what I've told you to build, Moses. I don't care how many measurements, how many things you got to get. Make sure that nothing is above my Shabbat. Amen. Amen. And Yeshua himself confirms it in the New Testament. Oh, but Matthew was wrong. Fine, Matthew's wrong. Let's go to Mark. Chapter 2, verse 23. We'll do away with Matthew. One less book in the New Testament. Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28. It says, now it happened on Sunday? Sunday? No. Yeah. Mark 2, verse 23 says, now it happened on Shabbat, Shabbat. <laughs> that Yeshua was going through the grain fields. Mm -hmm. And his disciples began to make their way, plucking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, what are you doing? What is not permitted on Shabbat? And he said to them, haven't you ever read what David, what is he, re what is he talking about? Old Testament. Old Testament. David is not in the New Testament. David is in the book of Samuel. That's in the Old Testament. So look what Jesus himself is reiterating to the Pharisees. Look what he's quoting. The Old Testament. 
He doesn't, he's not saying, this is what I think should happen, or don't you remember what I'm doing? No, he says, don't you remember David? So the Pharisees would know where he was going back to. Amen. Don't you remember David when he was in need and he and those in him became hungry? How he entered into the house of God when Abiathar was Kohen Gadol, high priest, and ate the showbread? Come we on. see here, again, the table of showbread, speaking wow. of the tabernacle, yes. which is permitted only for the Kohanim, the priest, to eat, and gave some even to those that were with him. And look what verse 27 says. Even to those. Even to those. Then he said to them, Shabbat was made for men. Wow. And not men for Shabbat. Mm. Wow. So that the son of men mm. is Lord even on Shabbat. Wow. So Matthew's wrong? Fine, then I guess Mark is also wrong. So we'll do away with Mark also. By the time you finish plucking out books, you might not have any books to guide yourself by. Wow. And you might not have a covenant either. The idea of keeping the Shabbat is that it clothes us. It clothes those who observe it in holiness. Listen to me. The idea of keeping the Shabbat is that it clothes those who observe it in holiness. Didn't God say that I blessed it or I made it holy and I sanctified it? So if he made it holy and sanctified it and you observe it, therefore you are considered holy, holy. and sanctified. Thank you, God. So in a sense, the holiness and sanctification of the day, Shabbat, is transmitted to those who observe it. The holiness and sanctification of Shabbat is transmitted to those who observe it. Because it says to follow my commandments, to obey my commandments, to not do away with, because if you profane any of these, you will be cut off and you will die. So by following it and by being obedient to what I have commanded you to do, therefore, what I made holy and what I blessed and what I sanctified, it is transmitted unto you. Or doesn't Exodus say it? That the Sabbath is made holy unto you. Yeah. So the holiness that comes with the day, the sanctification that comes with the day, it's your benefit when you observe it. And last but not least, go back with me to Exodus chapter 31. Read the last two verses. Look at verse 17 and 18 says, it is a sign between me and B'nai Israel forever. B'nai Israel, the children of Israel forever. For in six days, Adonai made heavens and earth, and on the seventh day, he ceased from work and rested. When he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave the two tablets of the testimony to Moses, tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. So we see here something very key. And it's been, it's, it was what God has been trying to do since the beginning, since the sin was committed between Adam and Eve. And it was restoration to make a personal relationship between God and men. Amen. That is what the Bible pretty much is all about. Restoring the relationship between us and the Father. 
And so he says there, it is a sign between me and B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. And we've learned this morning that that is you and me. We are spiritual Israel. So we are considered children of Israel. So God is trying to restore that relationship. And he says, I'm going to give you these tablets to guide yourself by because they are written with what? My finger. What does that make it? Makes it personal. I didn't pick up a stone. I didn't pick up a, a stick and write it with. No, I wrote it with my finger. Because I wanted you to understand that it's personal. I am putting my finger on it. And therefore, this is between you and I. And I'll finish with this. God established the Sabbath for Israel. God gave the commandments to Israel. God made an old covenant and a new covenant with Israel. And finally, our ending will be to enter through one of the gates of Israel. Until the church doesn't understand that it needs to become one. Echad. With Israel, we will never continue. We will delay the coming of our Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The Sabbath was made for Israel. Commandments were given to Israel. And the covenant, old and new, were made with Israel. So if you don't understand that you are Israel, that you are part of B'nai Israel, that you're a part of the children of Israel, whether you're physically or naturally born a Jew or spiritual Israel because of the grafting in that the book of Romans speaks of, that we're seeds of Abraham. If you don't understand that the old covenant nor the new covenant makes any sense to you, nor does it apply to you. So therefore, all the blessing and promises, whether old or new, don't apply to you either. And even go as far as saying that in the book of Revelation, the gate that you will enter through is one of the 12 gates of the 12 tribes of Israel. So until you don't understand that you need to become one with Israel, that that is what the body needs, and that is what Messiah is looking for, for Jews and Gentiles to become one, that is the reason why he is delayed. Until we don't become one, we are delaying the second coming. Wow. Let's go ahead and pray.